Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday Night Live with Ronda Rousey is over, but we are just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live on post-show recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are, of course, part of the Super Crew. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Noodle Man! (laughs) (laughs) I am good. Yeah. Rich. Or was it Let's Noodle? What did he say? I don't remember. Yeah. Can I interest you in a ham sandwich? (laughs) As long as it's not that uh, deli meat that's pre-sliced stuff. As long as it's something that you baked in the oven with the pineapples on it. Pineapple all day. Yes. Then I'm on it. Yeah. Getting ready to go. Rich, how are you doing? Good. I am ready for a laughgasm. Let's (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Here we go. So we are ready to talk about Ronda Rousey and Selena Gomez. Yes. So much, so much to do here on the Blizzard Weekend Edition of SNL. Yeah, two guys that have not done any shoveling this weekend. It feels kind of nice. Yeah, the S stands for snow this weekend as we talk about uh, the Ronda Rousey edition here. Uh, Rich, how was your week since we last talked about SNL last week? Good, very busy, very busy in in the real world, but uh, but good. All right. Well, very excited. Of course, we are live here on Blab, as we like to do on early Sunday evenings, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. If you ever want to join us for the live conversation, uh, we're taking your chat room questions here as well. You could type in slash Q or pretty much, uh, you know, the chat goes by, uh, you know, at, at a pace where we can pick up your questions no matter what you're saying. So very excited to get into it. And Rich, it would not be SNL if we did not start with presidential candidates. I mean, of the cold opens this season, I was episode, what, 11 of the season? Have yes. nine of them been about the political candidates? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, you know, in the political season, that's certainly what you're going to, especially since the Obama character uh, that they have on SNL is probably not a strong go-to character for non-election related. So really, anything topical at this point is probably going to be election related. And this is certainly no uh, no surprise. Okay, so we are back with Trump again, Daryl Hammond, Trump. I think that the baton is officially passed and we have him introducing Sarah Palin and we're feeling good. Here comes uh, Tina Fey back as Sarah Palin. Got all the makings here for a classic sketch, right? Yes. I mean, fun to obviously have her back. I know a lot of Twitter was, uh, you know, sort of like, oh, this is a no brainer for Tina Fey. You know, at uh, when I first saw Palin uh, endorsing Trump, it seemed like what a no brainer sketch. But I really wondered, would Tina Fey come back to do Palin so soon after doing Palin when she uh, hosted uh, the, the piece that was oddly announced on the very same day as as, as Palin endorsing Trump is 
is that Tina Fey and Ronda Rousey are going to be starring together in a movie written by SNL writer alum Paula Pell. So it really seemed like the stars were aligning that Tina Fey would come out to support uh, her now friend and co-star in an upcoming picture, Ronda Rousey. So clearly the stars were aligned for this to happen. Okay, so here we go. And while I will say first, I did think that the Tina Fey, Sarah Palin looked a lot better, more Sarah Palin-esque than she did only a couple months ago. And I think what I realized is that the Sarah Palin, Tina Fey that she was doing way back in October was the 2008 Sarah Palin. And Mm. I feel like we had the time jump finally where we caught up where Tina Fey is finally doing the 2016 Sarah Palin. Yeah, and I also think from an impression standpoint, she obviously had something very fresh to mock. So it was nice that instead of pulling from the Palin character of lore, we had 20 minutes of wackadoodle footage to just really, from the look and the outfit to, as they've often done with Palin, take an actual crazy lines that she said and mix them in with writerly lines. So I thought this was definitely a fresh sort of, uh, you know, a refresher of the the brand. Now, that being said, Rich, I felt like that this was an oddly constructed sketch because you had Daryl Hammond's Trump basically just breaking the fourth wall and sort of like doing commentary on what Palin was saying on the microphone. And there was very little interaction between Palin and Trump. Yeah. And it was interesting thinking back that I like I actually had a moment because the the lack there was a lack of chemistry that I think was in part written into the sketch. But I actually had a moment of like, did they did Tina Fey and Daryl Hammond overlap during their time on SNL, which is ridiculous for me to think that because she he was there for her entire six years on the show. He was there five years before her and three years after her. So obviously these two know each other exceedingly well. And it's sort it didn't feel like it. I, I would say I don't know if this is the construction of the the sketch or if it's Daryl Hammond a little bit later in years. But the uh, I feel like the 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 pacing of this sketch would have been better if it was pre-taped and they could have edited it down. There was something about pauses, throwing it from Palin to Trump back to Palin again, where uh, uh, there was a lot of like sort of stall and and it, it, that that sort of air. I think let some of the energy out of the sketch. Unfortunately. I just felt like that it fell flat for me because I felt like that it was so much of Donald Trump giving like the exposition or describing exactly what she was saying. And he wasn't really adding anything new to it. He had a couple of good lines about how, you know, she's she's got everything, uh, you know, looks, uh, you know, uh, whatever, yelling and, you know, good stuff like that. But there was a lot of times where it just seemed like they were cutting to him and he was saying pretty much like, uh, I can't believe it. She's even more nuts than I thought. And there was not a lot of punchlines, I felt like, coming from Trump. I'll disagree with you in my taste. I did think that like there were lines I did like when he's like, I hope no one's allergic to nuts. We got a big one here. Or even when he was he's like, you know, uh, it's like her mouth starts driving before her brain gets in the car. There was a lot of, I thought, sort of cute pieces to it. So I I probably liked it more, I would say. Uh, But you're right. There was no logic to it. Uh, uh, But I liked it. I just thought it was I think I I enjoyed it enjoyed it although i could certainly see the flaws in it but i liked the energy i thought faye was funny uh i i i had a lot of fun here even though i could probably say it it was probably uh there were there was some missed opportunities and maybe could have been tighter 
Yeah, for me, I just feel like I was expecting it to be so much more that you have, you know, you're bringing back uh, Sarah Palin and Donald Trump. It just seems like there's so much fodder there. And I just felt like uh, that just to have the, you know, DVD commentary of what she's saying over and over again. It seemed to me it was almost like um, that he was doing like uh, cutaways, like uh, breaking the fourth wall, like the office. Yeah, it did feel a little house of cards to me, too. I agree that certainly it would have been crazy to not have Trump in the sketch and just do a a Tina face, you know, monologue. Um, But I would love to have seen them actually interact with each other. I think that would have been way more fun. And what I go to a lot of times that I again, I I feel I really like this a lot. I would say if in a dream scenario, and I've said this before about other sketches, I'd love to see them take current events and then get away from the exact specific thing. So if right. we have if we have Trump and if we have Palin's uh, uh, is going to is now endorsing Trump in a perfect world, I would rather see a sketch where it's Palin and Trump at breakfast discussing the upcoming announcements yes. or Palin and Palin and Trump in bed the next morning Whoa. or something or whatever. I, I'm not trying to pitch lines, but the idea of instead of just simply, OK, we're going to do the we're going to actually do the press conference and, and mimic lines and it becomes very a to b let's kind of a to c it and do something different again i couldn't agree I more nitpicky uh but that would be, i'd love to see more of that going forward now i agree uh 155 i feel like seeing them before they go on saying like okay when i introduce you you're gonna make sure you say this right and you're not gonna say this right so i think that yeah. that would have been uh, a little more exciting than what this ultimately was, which I was let down by. But it sounds like you liked it on the people in the chat room uh, liked it more than I did. Yes, I, I I did like it again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into I know before I actually let me just stop uh, this Daryl Hammond Trump uh, saying the opening, Rich. I know this has got to be killing you. Oh, I'm calling it the throw because there's no good term for it. It's killing me. And then uh, and then I've got that issue now. Then he brings Tina Fey down because she's not going to scream like a crazy person to because that would look weird. So very weak throw uh, of the of the line into the credits. Uh, Hammond definitely lowering the bar to match his pre-taped credit, uh, you know, read, which is always brutal. OK, so let's get to the Ronda Rousey and her monologue. A lot of stuff going on here in the monologue. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sort of a, a fun opening. I can't say that. I I mean, I know that Rhonda did lose a match. I don't know that much about it, but it was fun to see her sort of, uh, you know, uh, make a reference to it. I read online. A lot of people thought that was a very classy thing. Um, and then uh, and then going forward, I thought, you know what? A, a nice bit where as much as she was the star of the monologue, there was a lot of sort of stuff going on so that she didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting um as not a ufc fan i will say it almost felt like this was more of a boxing metaphor than a ufc fight metaphor but if anyone in the chat room is a ufc fan please correct me i'd love to be wrong uh because i I thought that was a little bit odd but overall given the situation given it's a sports person it's not a professional actor it's not a professional singer uh i was not surprised i thought it was fine yeah and so there was definitely uh some fun things i felt like when they first started with that format um i felt like that the justin bieber thing felt a bit flatter than they expected it to like they keenan talked about it like uh, okay we got to bring out the big guns here comes uh you know kate mckinnon's justin bieber 
And I think that they expected that or at least wrote it to be like a huge pop. And I felt like it was sort of a flat moment. Yeah, I mean, it was also interesting because I thought once you bring out Bieber on an episode that Selena Gomez is in the room, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be something there. And then we do have Selena Gomez show up later, but not referencing Justin Bieber. So it it was a little odd. I, I don't know if I would say it was a miss, but I don't think it capitalized on what it could have been. I thought it was just a cute, like, all right, we're just throwing things at the wall. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent about the Bieber and Selena Gomez thing. It's just such like, it's like once we're thinking it, it's like, okay, uh, okay, here's Bieber and Selena Gomez is here. Then it's almost like a distraction to not do it. Yeah. I thought, and I've read online and again, some, I don't know, you know, some gossip thing was like, oh, a source very close to Selena Gomez says that she was very awkward about being in a sketch with that had them making fun of Justin Bieber because she didn't want it to seem like she was making a shot, taking a shot at Justin. Uh, I have no idea what the validity of that was. Uh, I don't know. But it uh, she did seem a little awkward towards the end of that. But uh, I think she was a little bit awkward in the night in general. Okay. So let's talk about the first live sketch of the night, which is the Screen Guild Awards, which is a little bit of a, uh, interesting to have a second award show sketch right after the Golden Globe sketch. Uh, but it is award season. Uh, so we did have a sketch. And Rich, it took me uh, a little bit to figure out what the game of the scene was here. Yeah, and I, uh, me too. And I liked that a lot. I, I thought this was very similar to if we go all the way back to early last year when we did the Blazer cop show parody uh, where Taron Killam played a cop. And, and it's only as we go forward, we realize he's only killing black people and he's not killing white people that we get it. I liked this a lot, where at first we've got Taron uh, clearly doing a Sylvester Stallone type of character. Uh, and it's not necessarily clear what the game of the scene is and it's only when we get to you know pete davidson playing little q in clearly a straight out of compton parody when we cut back to him in the audience and we see a beautiful shot of keenan with just the look of go f yourself uh that we really see see this and and i do want to take a second here and say boy what in a year i have really made a really turned a corner on keenan because i think there was a lot to like about keenan this year so far and this was an example. His look was the perfect setup to sort of the game of the scene, which I thought was in general really fun. Yeah. And so they go through it. And as they keep announcing each nominee, the role for the white person who is nominated uh, keeps getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> you know, I, like, I like Bobby with the, with the guy with a camera. <laughs> he like walks on. He just runs out yeah. again. That was really funny. Yeah. Now, Rich, you uh, have seen a lot more of these Oscar nominated movies than I have seen. Is yes. the issue that what SNL is sort of putting forth here, where there are all these movies with, uh, with, Uh, these amazing performances uh, by black actors and there are white actors that have bit parts in these movies and they got nominated or is the issue more just that there's that there was just a lack of diversity overall in the nominees no more the second that there was just there were no nominees of of there were no uh, African Americans nominated in acting categories or directing categories and um, you know and you've got you know Idris Elba had done a supposedly an amazing role I didn't 
didn't see it. Will Smith had a, a movie that was good enough that it was at least being talked about concussion mm-hmm. uh, that maybe he would get nominated for the director of, of Creed, uh, you know, uh, was, you know, someone that I think there was a the, there was a thought that maybe he would get in. And because it was the second year in a row and we won't turn this into a political discussion, but actually the uh, the Academy made very big changes on Thursday uh, to uh, who can vote in the in the Oscars going forward as a way to hopefully change this. So it, it is as much as there was a lot of joking and we'll talk about it on Weekend Update about this. Uh, it seemed a little insincere for Will Smith, who had a movie that he might have been nominated for to boycott the Oscars. Uh, it does seem like it's had some good effect in uh, in some changes that have been made at the Oscars. So hopefully next year we'll see at least a younger demographic be represented in the voting, uh, which will hopefully result in more minorities and also maybe some movies that uh, were more commercially successful. What do you think about the end of the sketch of all the white guys were the winner? You know what? I liked that it was a big we're out. You know, we we had a we got the premise and the winner is it's a tie. I like the card just said all the white guys. Then they're just getting up on stage and we're out. Big laughs and we're out. I thought that this sketch could have easily gone on an extra 30, 45 seconds. Uh, we got it. We all laughed. We move on. I thought it was very good. OK, let's go to then the pre-tape piece, uh, which was called Love Struck. Uh, and it features uh, Ronda Rousey on a date with Beck Bennett, who's supposed to be the cool guy in the high school. And they have sort of like this date, which is set in the gym. And then we sort of pull back to reveal that it was all a joke set forth by Vanessa Bayer and her cast of Mean Girls. And then Ronda Rousey uh, strikes back. Yeah, I really like this a lot. And I and I will say what I thought the pacing of this was so interesting. You're looking at a four minute sketch, probably a little too long if I'm nitpicking. But I'll say this. It was a full 60 seconds before we even get the first turn that it's not a real date, that it's actually a prank from the Mean Girls. And from that point, we go a full 60 seconds. So it's two minutes into the sketch before we get to the game of the scene, which is Ronda Rousey just starting to kick everyone's ass. And I thought that they earned it. I thought the pacing up to that point was really fun. I thought Vanessa Bayer was MVP here and it really worked that once we know what the game is, probably could have been 30 seconds shorter, but that's me nitpicking. I thought this was an excellent sketch. Yeah, I thought that this was probably for me more fun than funny because I didn't think that there uh, there weren't too many laugh out loud moments for me. I mean, once you sort of establish that Ronda Rousey is going to start beating up Vanessa Bayer, but I agree with you that Vanessa Bayer really carried this. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and a little side rant here, which is, uh, you know, as much as we've talked about, like even the end of last year, I'm like, you know, if they're going to cut, if they're going to cut staff and crew, do do they bring back Vanessa Bayer? I mean, she, as much as we all like her, she really hasn't been that featured. I was looking at this season that she has really become the pre-tape queen. I mean, she was excellent in this, excellent in the Golden Globes last week, excellent in Santa Bay. Baby, stole the show in the settle commercial parody was an amazing straight woman in the Aaron's list sexual predators piece and you know last year the Asian American doll Nespresso where she was just brilliant I'm like oh she's really found her niche as much as she does do some really good stuff in the live sketches the pre-tape she's just really excelling at I feel like you could do a best of SNL Vanessa Bayer pre-tapes and she'd yeah. be great I remember uh, Kyle Mooney has the good neighbor piece where he's like, she's his neighbor and he's yes. like, he's running into her in the hallway. Um, I think that's interesting because we have such a big team. 
doesn't that make some sense to sort of like divide and conquer? We have more people that are like uh, specializing on like, okay, yeah. you're working on the pre-tapes most of the week. And then we have other people that are here working with us, like for preparing for the live show. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's, you know, obviously if there's a sketch you want to plug her into where she's, you know, helpful, great. And then these things are just, you know, perfect for her to be doing all different kinds of pieces. So really, really fun. I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Chat room agrees with you in a big way. Very positive for Vanessa Bayer. Totino is another great call out from Rajizi. So yes, a lot of, she did a lot of great, been doing a lot of great stuff. Okay. So then let's talk about the bachelor parody sketch, uh, which is called bland man here. Uh, we saw this originally in the Blake Shelton episode. What was it called? Farm guy. Farm hunk. Farm hunk. Yeah. yeah. Farm guy. <laughs> yeah. This was a weird for me. I mean, I would say go, you know, going forward, because, you know, so far the, you know, we've had the Screen Guild Awards post note, uh, post the, uh, the, the monologue going forward. It's a lot of basically repeats going forward. And, and this is an example uh, to go back. And I, I watched a little bit of farm hunk because I'm like, boy, this is very, very similar. I mean, it, it, even the, can I steal him for a second line? Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought that the farm hunk had much more fun than this. Um, I thought that there was much more inside baseball about how everybody is basically from California and there's a lot of porn references about people. This was uh, less sort of coherent and inside baseball. That said, I do think there were a lot of funny lines and I enjoyed everybody's character, probably less A.D. Bryant because I thought her character was a little bit too broad for the batch but uh everyone else i thought was really fun uh and i you know this i think this is where cecily strong really excels so i enjoyed her a lot and uh and then uh you know the uh you know the we had um leslie jones last time being the black person uh here we had sashir zimater and i thought it was a really fun little run yeah i really thought that that sashir part was really funny when he she says oh i'm the black one and he says oh i can escort you out uh, yeah <laughs> And then, oh, you had a really sad past. Okay, you can stay one more week. Yeah, sad I thought, uh, you can stay one more week. Clearly, none of this done as well as the Lifetime show Unreal, which was a you know an entire series that sort of was lovingly making fun of The Bachelor. But uh, this was really good, and, and I really like Cecily. Everything from you know I'm a virgin, but I'm very quick to do the stuff I do to her saying like oh, all the girls hate me just because I'm so mean to them. Mm -hmm. I thought it was all really funny. So I thought it was really good. Yeah. I did like the recurring. Uh, this feels nice uh, when everybody yeah. comes in. Can I steal yeah. them for a sec? I I really feel like uh, I'm on a night where maybe it was not a uh, high water mark for SNL. I think that this might have been the best live sketch of the night. Uh, I like Screen Guild Awards much better, but I uh, because I felt like they were actually saying something fresh. But I agree, a lot of funny here. Uh, closing out the sketch, we've got Selena Gomez. As I suspected, you know, we've now seen her in two bits. This is her actually doing a comedic role. I sort of figured that she was going to be sort of really gunning to get in a sketch. Not necessary here. But uh, but certainly a nice little throwaway uh, that he's like, you know, what's your name? Selena Gomez is like, OK, I'm picking her where we can wrap this up. I thought it was a, a cute ending, maybe not the most hilarious ending, but a cute ending. OK, uh, this week, our musical expert, James Keast, is not with us. So, Rich, you and I will have to discuss Selena Gomez 
on our own. Yes. Yes. So not that, uh, and, and anyone in the chat room want to chime in, please. I, and I'm also, I will not pretend to be a big Selena Gomez expert. Um, she, she strikes me. This is, is a very sexy little infant. Like every time I see her, I feel like it's uh, like, like she's being like a coy, coquettish little baby girl, like a very goo goo gaga. And, and I, and it's kind of weird. And, and I, she's probably very talented. But uh, I feel like the sexiness is turned up. I will say a calculated way or an artificial way that I don't love. Right. Um, but that said, she seems to be a very good singer. Uh, she did sort of a, a sort of a, what James said, sort of the mashup montage that she has become more popular with pop singers doing SNL, sort of a two for one here. We get the songs good for you and same old love um, with her, uh, you know, with the backdrop of a Bob Fosse number guys uh, snapping like it's uh, it's the, it's the, you know, West performance. Story. Of, yeah. yeah. It's a little West Side Story, a little Chicago, black box Chicago performance. And then she's standing there with the, with her dress that's got one leg completely out like Angelina Jolie at the Oscars a few years ago. So it, 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 it felt a little awkward for me. I thought the song felt good. Um, maybe, you know, better than I. Um, uh, uh, so I don't know. I guess it was fine. Well, let's talk about the second performance, because I feel like uh, that one was the DVR buster for me, because uh, I think I had to. I said, what the hell is going on here where we've really we've rolled out a bed onto the you know floor yeah. of 8H and we have a guy and she's sort of like dancing the guy into the bed. And then we're introducing like another woman into the and, and she's like trying to sing, but they're like pulling her back. She can't keep her hands to herself. And the guy and the girl are going off into the bed without her. Uh, a lot going on here, Rich. Yeah, it felt like she was the musical guest on So You Think You Can Dance. And mm-hmm. this was with two, the two top contestants. Uh, so it was it was an odd uh, it was trying to be sexy for me it felt for sexy this is her new single hands to myself so this is uh sort of the big sort of push uh i'm sort of surprised they didn't do the big number first but maybe they just thought even for saturday night live this is a little risque so we're gonna save it for later um yeah it was more performance it seemed i don't know nothing i would love to ask james i'm gonna guess that she was lip syncing to this given the amount of physicality she was doing and you didn't hear the breath in her performance um so i don't know i thought uh yeah i thought it was it was it was supposed to be sexy i don't know if that i would actually call it sexy yeah i will say i know we'll talk about the good nights later but they there's a shot in the good nights like keenan is like really talking up the woman from the selena gomez threesome uh musical performance <laughs> keenan <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Like, what is he say? Like, uh, like, oh, you were that threesome, that simulated threesome that you really knocked it out of the park. That was great. Yeah, you exactly. Really killed it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about weekend update here and uh, uh, weekend update an uptick for weekend update this week. Uh, you know, it's hard to I mean, I guess compared to last week, I'll say yes. Um, I thought a lot of the joke runs I didn't necessarily think were that great. Um uh, the one uh, exception start with the positive. I thought that Michael Che's run about the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was really fun. Uh, and I thought almost every joke in that run worked. Uh, I like that we start 
off with, you know, referring to the blizzard and calling out the fact that they're working. So as uh, Mark in the chat room says, the easy joke about Lauren, I thought that was really good. And, uh, you know, I and and so a, a couple of jokes here and there. Uh, but a lot of the stuff about Trump, I just for me, didn't work. I felt like especially I hadn't seen that clip where Trump is talking about uh, about, you know, I should shoot somebody. Shoot and and I'd still be in front. And I thought, boy, if that's your setup, I, again, not that I'm going to say I'm the joke writer, but I felt like there was a real miss on that one, that that, that there could have been some really fun stuff there. Well, it happened on Saturday, so they didn't have a lot of time to come up with something, maybe. I guess so. Yeah. So, so I thought we missed on a couple of metrics there. So, but a couple of, a couple of fun jokes I did like in the Oscar run when they, when he talked about they're trying to get more black people to present. And he was saying that, you know, you're going to solve racism by having black people present white people with gold. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Uh, I did think that there were a couple other good jokes uh, that the Colin Jost uh, going back to maybe his signature joke now of uh, today was national compliment day today, dad. Uh, I yes. thought that, that was great, great line. Perfect. <laughs> I thought that was yes. good. And I actually feel like that. I thought that uh, Shay and Jost were better than uh, the uh, guests on Weekend Update, which is not always the case. You had Leslie Jones come in talking about why she should date Leonardo DiCaprio. And while I did think that I like the energy, I feel like that this was not Leslie Jones's best outing here on Weekend Update. I, I thought that, yeah, I thought that the material was weak for her. I don't want to say that it was weak because I don't think it was, but I think long. We, yeah, it, it was long. And I thought we were really relying on performance and energy here. And I don't know that it always connected. So uh, some fun stuff, um, but uh, it, it took us a bit to sort of get, I don't even know that. I even got the whole premise. I wasn't sure if the reason she could get Leo is because she's funny or because she would make ham sandwiches. I, I don't know that it was the cleanest for me. So certainly a couple of laugh out loud jokes, but in general, I just felt the energy more than the humor. And I don't know that always works. Yeah. And then we had the return of Willie. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, it, here was the, the thing that was crazy. I thought we just saw Willie. How are we seeing him again? And then I'm doing my homework and we haven't seen him since October. Mm -hmm. And since Tracy Morgan showed up as, as Willie's coach Woodrow, um, I will say that there were a couple of cute lines in this and I was happy that it was short. It was short, so short it was very short. It got us out very quickly. So uh, I, it was, it was, uh, it was very, it wasn't that painful. Yeah. I thought he was a very tolerable dose of Willie this week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. what did you think of yeah. Bobby? Moynihan as the guy who never thinks it's that bad. Uh, you know what? In the setup line, the first shot, I thought it was a really funny moment of just like, eh, it's not that bad. And then the the payoff was such an obvious joke. I really wish they had sort of said, OK, that's the one. That's the obvious answer. Let's keep writing and come up with something funnier than that. Uh, but, you know, it was fine. OK, uh, then we come out a weekend update and we have another recurring sketch now, I guess. And I've seen uh, from a couple of the reviews I read that this is probably the one that is taking the most criticism. The story of Pete Davidson 
on the witness stand as the uh, young man who was uh, statutory raped by two of his teachers at his school. Yeah, this was the strangest repeat because often when we repeat sketches in the world of the sketch, like the first sketch happens. So whether we're seeing episode 18 of Girlfriend's Talk Show or whether we're seeing the porn stars for the eighth time, it's they're acting as if that previous stuff has happened even if it's not directly acknowledged. This was a weird one because it's basically like, hey, remember the sketch we did with Taraj P. Henson a year ago? We're basically just going to do it again. And But obviously it's as if the first one didn't happen. So it was a very strange kind of like a just reboot of the sketch to the point where uh, everyone in the sketch was the same, except for obviously we're now adding Ronda Rousey and we don't have Tarish P. Henson as the uh, as the as the defense attorney. They were all wearing the same clothing. Pete Davidson had the same shirt and tie. Cecily Strong had the same red dress. <laughs> Kate McKinnon had the same weird white pattern thing with the thing. The only difference <laughs> is Keenan's judge character this time didn't have a mustache. It was so it was a strange like mm. when we say we're rebooting the sketch, we're actually doing it with a weird amount of accuracy, almost like we're kind of giving the audience the finger. Yeah, it was kind of, and the jokes were basically the same. Like the, the whole comedic premise was obviously exactly the same. So, uh, so very weird. Now that said, I just think the interaction of Pete Davidson and Keenan Thompson was very funny when he's going through, when Pete Davidson is going the list of the names that his friends Mm -hmm. are calling him. And he ends with, you know, and my man has said like Denzel Washington and they're calling it, let the record show the witness means my man. That was a very, the two of them together were very, funny so uh if, if i hadn't seen the first sketch i would say this was cute and funny um but uh but having seen the first sketch it was just a, it it was no different for me than watching the settle pre-tape segment at the end of the show which i liked the first time and it was odd to see it again is same thing here it was it was no different for me yeah yeah, just a weird night with a lot of do-overs that were weren't exactly do-overs, but pretty much like almost the same exact sketch that we've already done before in just a slightly different package. Yes, very much. Uh, almost all of the live sketches were uh were you know reimagining of of what we've seen before which was very surprising and reimagining of sketches that we weren't like oh my god classic sketch they have to do this again <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> all yeah. right so uh we come out of that sketch and we're going to talk about the uh super crew which i did feel like that this was pretty fun the almost the avengers uh type group of superheroes who are going to go through their introductions of saying who they are yeah i felt like this was probably inspired most recently by this week we had the launch of this new cw show legends of tomorrow which is taking a lot of the uh you know characters that have been introduced in arrow and flash and adding new superheroes and i haven't seen the show but the reviews that i read were basically positive but said it's just too many superheroes like (laughs) it's just the universe is too big for us to follow just to plug that uh josh wiggler and and antonio mazzaro have a uh, post show recap or a a most shows recap uh, covering all of the superhero shows uh, going on with everything happening on the CW. You can check that out on postshowrecaps.com. Just posted today. Sweet. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say you probably like this more than me. 
I will say that uh, here's my thought. I liked it that when we start out with, hey, you know, here, here's a very real superhero with a very real power. And then, oh, no, 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 guys, hold on. We got a lot of people to introduce. I really like that a lot. I even liked it when it became like, oh, and this particular skill or superpower is hmm, how superpower is that once we got to the point where uh, it was just, you know, Mr. Leathers and the Beast, who's just a fan of beauty and the beast is like well then i don't know what world we're in comedically that uh, it, it for me uh, it kind of lost me a little bit uh I, although i did like the performance of queen aquavata who you know when she's like i command the scenes but the question is will they obey short answer is no um, but i was like but I, now i don't know what i'm watching comedically now we're just i now it's just people in co- why would these other superheroes have them in so i, I feel like uh, not to be a comedy nerd but when it doesn't make sense for the other characters in the sketch mm-hmm. it then loses me as the audience member to exactly follow why i'm laughing at it where i can say like with bland man at least i can follow like it this all as crazy as it is it all makes sense to everyone in the sketch which has me laughing at it so for me that was this was more of a miss that said, a lot of, lot of funny lines. Could you argue that we are in the participation trophy era of superheroes where if you identify superhero, you are allowed to be part of the superhero troupe? I guess so. Maybe that is more uh, inside baseball to the to the shows, you know, uh, to the Jessica Jones Le- Legends of Tomorrow uh, kind of world than I know. So I'll certainly leave that to uh, maybe other people are, uh, are are more adept at this than I to say. It's noodle time. <laughs> and I do, I did like that when, when was a Shasir's beta comes as oh, I'm very similar to noodle man. I'll just say my name is couscous. <laughs> so that's a, a nice little throwaway callback. Yeah. I also like uh, Cecily's uh, ability to have a uh, gaydar, but only for black men. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that was fun too. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this pre-tape piece uh, where we had, uh, again, I didn't know exactly where this was going for a while either. Yes. Uh, we had uh, uh, Jay Farrell and Taryn and Beck Bennett are like three guys trying to pick up some women on a quote unquote ladies night. And they go into a uh, big uh, rap soliloquy about uh, the size of their genitalia. Uh, and then Beck Bennett is the third guy who, you know, pretty much the de facto Beck Bennett character uh right. you know, sort of awkward person. Uh, he does. The, I thought this is a, uh, is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say that I what I like is I thought that the Jay Farrow and Taron Killam part of the rap was oddly male aggressive for yeah. the last few seasons of Saturday Night Live, and I thought comedically, I like I, I thought it was very funny. I thought a lot of the references, you know, that you know he's going to go deep like poetry, and and a lot of the rhymes I thought were very funny and just surprising, especially with Taron Killam to see him playing a character that's just like. Oh, you're going there. And I thought that was very funny. Um, And then the Beck piece, I thought, was an interesting turn. (laughs) I don't know for me that it held up very long uh, that like, uh, you know, I, I, I clearly got it. Yeah, it it would stay. It it withstood, uh, you know, as long as as I would have liked. But that's just me. Yeah, I actually felt like the Jay Farrow and Taron stuff, I think probably like was going like too far to the point where I know you want to really drive it, drive it home. 
Uh, but it was really like really over like uh, probably more over the top than it needed to be compared to what Beck Bennett was doing. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, it, and much more for the show. But again, I also think, uh, you know, I'm always going to be a fan of taking chances, uh, right. you know, uh, especially post update. Um, I'd rather see something go too far. I don't want to see offensive, but in general, comedically, I'd rather see that go too far than playing it safe at, you know, at, you know, 12, you know, 40 in the evening. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the town hall meeting, which again is another repeat. Is this the second or third time we've done this? Well, it depends how you sort of count it. I mean, th- we saw this exact sketch with Amy Schumer in October. Um, you could say that then the spirit of this was done on the Matthew McConaughey episode in November, where we were uh, definitely taught, we were specifically talking about the Amtrak, uh, whether Amtrak should come through their town. Um, but I would say more specifically, this was a, the second appearance of the town council meeting from Amy Schumer and again in the I went back and watched it because I'm like am I see like we had Jan Krang starting out we had you know MC strategy from the Netherlands doing the exact same bit we had Gary Loomis we had Rick as the stoner character we did not have Kate McKinnon's character uh, who was hopped up on the energy drink Uh, but in general uh, it was just more like oh here's like um, if you've ever seen it at the groundlings out here in Los Angeles, when they do Sunday company shows, they, uh, which is the sort of the training ground before the main cast, mm-hmm. they always, you have to write monologues and you have to create a character and write a monologue as a character. And then if it's quite good, it's performed in the Sunday show. So there's always some of those in the show. And I feel like this is a collection of the, of the groundling monologues. Like here's the Jan Crane character. Here's the Gary Loomis character. Here's the MC strategy character. Um, for me, I didn't like it as much as the sort of sibling to this, the Matthew McConaughey, where it was Matthew McConaughey as one crazy guy, sort of that we keep going back to in a town hall setting, as opposed to just sort of the uh, the revolving door of who's the next weird character. Yeah, I felt like this was a little short, too. I felt like we sort of got out before too much really even happened. Yeah, although I don't think that was a bad thing. I felt like <laughs> I felt like, OK, we get it uh, again. Ronda Rousey shows up in a live sketch where she's participating but doesn't have to do a ton of heavy lifting, which I don't think was a bad idea. She's got her freak show. She's got the, you know, a missing Baldwin brother as her. The only part of her freak show, which I thought Todd was Baldwin. cute. Yeah, Todd Baldwin. That's all. That's all it was. Uh, I think that was probably as we often say like when male sports stars come on SNL they almost invariably end up dressing up as a woman I don't know why whether that has something to do with sports stars or the writers so I was wondering about that going into this and I think her I I almost wonder if the outfit came first like oh let's put Ronda Rousey in this silly outfit with a tiny hat and then and then work backwards to what the actual piece is yeah all right. Then the last live sketch is this office party. I, is this a recurring sketch? I feel like I've seen these characters before. Well, I don't I don't remember. And maybe the, the chat room remember. I would say no. But I will say that Kyle Mooney was playing an adult character, but was basically doing his young kid character that we just saw in the Golden Globes pre-tape. Um, or even more specifically, he did this basically this exact same character back last year when they did the Fifty Shades of Grey press conference with Dakota Fanning. I feel like it was this exact same character. We're just now saying he's an adult instead of saying he's a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Uh, so so a little little odd. Um, I felt like they. Uh, 
they definitely did. Uh, uh, you know, they gave, this was the sketch that I absolutely think um, Ronda Rousey did the most heavy lifting on. Mm-hmm. She was really a major character. She was the straight person in the scene for the two of them, uh, which I think she was absolutely fine at. Um, I don't th- there was sort of no point to this sketch. It was just sort of a character piece that said when, you know, when she said, come over around three and they're like, oh, morning or afternoon. Like I liked the whole like, oh, 3 p.m. OK, well, that's easier for us. And the whole like run about we'll bring towels and stuff. I thought there was a lot of funny stuff in this. I don't know that it was the best, but it, it certainly made me laugh. Yeah. I feel like it seemed a little tame for 1255. Seems like that there was not really a lot going on here. Yeah, I also wonder if this was maybe earlier in the show. You know, I think that structurally you might have expected that, you know, having the host play a more significant role in a sketch we would have seen earlier. I wonder if this, because this did feel very safe uh, for a 1255 sketch, but but it might have just been it didn't necessarily play as well as we wanted it to. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Rich, let's just talk about the goodbyes and then we'll sort of uh, put a bow on this episode. Uh, Felt like that everybody uh, seemed very festive. I feel like that the blizzard may have really united this group. Yes. Now, I will say my cockles were raised my my the hair on the back of my neck was very annoyed when we get to the good nights and who's not on that stage. Tina Fey. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, are you? We just went through this with with Will Ferrell. Yeah, you don't want to give her any blizzard points where, uh, you know, she came out in the blizzard. As she's yes. like, so this is why I didn't bring it up in the cold open. I was annoyed, but I thought, you know what? There's no cars in New York. You're dealing with the subway. She probably wants to get back to Los Angeles. So I, I'm giving her a pass that her, the reason she did not show up is purely because of the logistics of the snowstorm. But I was I was on edge for that. Doesn't she live on the East Coast? Oh, maybe she does. I just assume she lives there. Oh, Marcus and she lives on the Upper West Side. So, yeah, yeah, yeah well, I just think anyone who's made it in, in Holly in, in entertainment lives I, I listened to her on Stern back in December. Oh, okay, got it, got it. So now I and I think that I saw that on Twitter. Leslie Jones said that she had to take the subway home because there was no cars running uh, when the show was over. So I don't know. I wonder if they did a uh, a post show uh, party like they always do, or if they called it quits because of the blizzard. That'd yeah. be interesting to find out. But uh, but other than that, yeah, a lot of warmth, a lot of hugging, uh, especially girl power. Super happened uh, with uh, with you know her sort of hugging a lot of the. the the ladies of the show seemed very festive in general. It seemed like everyone had to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, for Ronda Rousey overall, I mean, I had read this in a couple of the reviews felt like uh, SNL really tried to hide Ronda Rousey tonight. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, you know, I think that in general, you know, she's not a sketch comedian, but I felt like she also didn't feel like the need to be the lead in every sketch. And it, it gave us a chance to see some of our other longtime performers uh, really do the job and do a do a really good thing. So uh, so I think in general, I, I don't know that this was bad. I think that we don't always have to see every guest host be in every single sketch and be the lead in every single sketch. So uh, it, it certainly did not bother me. OK, let's turn our attention to the next live sketch or the live show, uh, which we found out is going to be hosted by Larry David. Chris Berger wants to know a question. 
Do you believe that an X Fridays cast member is hosting SNL, Rich? It's amazing how long we've come. I mean, X X SNL writer coming back. You know, we've you know most people forget. Although it was discussed on the 40th anniversary when he showed up to do the the bit with Jerry Seinfeld, uh, that he was a writer on season 10, the Billy Crystal, uh, Christopher Guest, Rich Hall uh, season. He was a writer uh, where he got to know young cast member Julia Louis Dreyfus, who he then later on cast in, in, in Seinfeld. So uh, now he was not a writer during the Lorne Michael time. He was a writer during the five years of Lorne Michael's absence. So I don't know that anybody of creatively on the show, except for Jim Downey uh, is, is still there. So it's probably a whole new thing, but certainly be interesting, uh, interesting to see him come back. So much fun. We've talked about the Larry David, Bernie Sanders, uh, so much. Really perfect timing. February 6th, I think, is the date yep. of the episode. Uh, yep. Really perfect time to have him back. The Iowa caucus, I guess, is February 1st. Uh, New Hampshire is uh, primary is on the 9th. So right, in, you know, potentially, you know, Bernie Sanders could have a strong showing there. It really could be the height of Bernie Sanders. Uh, this is a great booking by SNL. Well, and I, here's going to be the interesting challenge for all of us, because in all of comedy, expectation is so important. It's one thing when we're all surprised that Larry David shows up at Studio 8H to do Bernie Sanders and we really laugh hard. It will be interesting to see when we know it's coming because he's been announced as a host. Will we still laugh as hard at the Bernie Sanders? I'm looking forward to it, but it's an interesting sort of challenge for that. Well, my question for you is that will we see Bernie Sanders? I think at this point, how do you not? I, I can't see big you know, week for him, you know, and maybe Bernie yeah. doesn't care so much about this sort of thing. But I think that his advisors have to be oh, telling be huge him for him, yeah, that you have to that Hillary has been on the show multiple times, Obama has been on multiple times. Forget even the Republicans. You have to make a, you have to show up. And I think that uh, I think Larry David would love that. I think it would be really fun to see the two of them together. So I don't want to say bank on it, but I'd say it's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe this conversation started like, hey, could you could we get you back for that first show in February? And it's like, hey, why don't we just have you host? Yeah. 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 And I don't think he's promoting anything. I don't know if there's anything that he's specifically promoting, but uh, I mean, you're Larry David. You don't have to you don't have to do any of that stuff. Okay, so very exciting. That's going to be coming up. I believe it's Super Bowl weekend. So a lot of stuff going on uh, for the Larry David episode and musical guest 1975. Yes, the 1975. Yeah, it's very exciting stuff. All right. uh, Rich, uh, great work once again, uh, despite a little bit of a tech hiccup. Knocked it out of the park. Hey, no hiccup with us. We're here. We're, we're, we're on it. All right. Uh, thanks so much uh, to Scott St. Pierre, who edits this all together on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. We'll be back uh, in two weeks to talk about it, and that's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. So we'll figure out uh, where we're going to do our live recap of the Larry David episode. But we're very excited to talk about that, especially uh, because uh, I have been doing a Seinfeld rewatch podcast now for uh, going on over a year, a year and a half, Rich. Woo, that is a lot. Can you believe it? Yeah, that is a lot. Where it's a lot. So a lot going on. Uh, That's a lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. Uh, and again, yeah. Uh, yeah, check out that uh, all CW comic book, uh, most shows recap uh, up on posterrecaps.com. Uh, you can follow Rich on Twitter. He's at Rich Tack. Anything else, Rich? 
No, that's uh, that's usually where I'm hanging, talking SNL and comment on the page. You like the conversation to continue during the week. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.